Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and my guest today is Dr. Martin Goldman, who has been a dentist for a great many years in the San Francisco area and has recently uh, completed a three-year training program to become an Alexander Technique teacher. And this is actually our third uh, conversation. We just completed uh, one that uh, was aimed at providing some specific suggestions for dentists and dental assistants and dental hygienists and really anybody who works in sort of uh, odd postural configurations doing um, precise work. And um, we're going to basically continue with the conversation we just had. Uh, Martin uh, provided, uh, I'm calling him Martin because we're buddies. Uh, (laughs) Martin um, uh, provided a number of very specific suggestions and he has a few more and we might want to elaborate a little bit on some of the ones he talked about in our previous conversation. So uh, Martin, welcome to the show again. Thank you very much. And um, I know you have, uh, I think, three specific ideas that you wanted to uh, talk about um, that are in addition to our previous conversation. But I would like to jump in and talk a little, elaborate a little on something you mentioned in our last conversation, which is basically the idea that our arms and shoulders are really, our, our, our arms are not something separate from our shoulders and that the actual connection, the only real bone-on-bone connection between our shoulder girdle and our torso uh, is where our clavicles meet our sternum. And uh, there are actually, there's a joint on either side of our sternum at the top. And what I've found, um, just to elaborate on what you talked us through in the last podcast, was that if you take, say, your right hand, right fingers on your right hand, and run them along your left, um, not sternum, clavicle, your left clavicle, and follow it in till it, you reach a little bump, basically, which is the joint with the sternum, and just leave a finger gently touching that bump and then move your left arm around, you'll immediately feel movement there. And for many, many Alexander uh, students that I've worked with, that's a huge revelation. And it completely changes, uh, once they incorporate that knowledge into using their arms, it completely changes the way they use their arms. I think most of us have an idea that there's the arm that comes up um, to the torso and there's the joint there and then everything else is torso but really it's it's a, it's quite different from that so I just wanted to add that bit of body mapping to what we had talked about before and is there anything else you want to say about arms and shoulders while we're on that topic um, just the idea that a uh, a lightness uh, that there's more you're working with your fingertips, but as you say, that that uh, to re- don't become tight when you don't need to. There can be openness emanating all the way from midline. So that that's about it. 
Okay, and now you had, I believe, three other specific suggestions. Oh, yes. Uh, the, the first thing I'd like to talk about is a uh, pretty broad topic. Uh, you could go uh, any number of different directions while discussing this, and that's the breadth. Uh, the breadth of is almost like what uh, a uh, canary in the coal mine. If your breath is constricted and you're take only capable of taking shallow breaths, uh, then you know that somewhere in your musculoskeletal system there's a compression or a constriction or you're off balance. So uh, to be aware of one's breath is a good idea. Alexander technique, other than uh, what's called the whispered awe procedure, really doesn't teach breath exercises, the majority of Alexander teachers. But uh, you'll find that an awareness of your breath without trying to control it will lead to a more rhythmic, uh, easier breath for yourself. And amazingly, I noticed this while I was a, uh, a, a dentist and I would sit with patients' heads resting pretty much in my lap and uh, they would be close now, I realized, to my solar plexus. And I, while I, I, I came to this realization that I just by being aware of my breath, that my breath, you know, a lot of times when uh, uh, there was something particularly stressful that was happening, my breath would become more shallow, or if I was at a particular, particularly uh, important uh, part of a procedure, I might even be holding my breath, you know, while I'm uh, making a final bevel on a line angle or trying to work a file around the curve of a canal, I might be holding my breath. So my suggestion would be to just have an awareness of while you're breathing without any idea of controlling it. Mm -hmm. And you'll find that your patients will often mimic this uh, more easeful breathing pattern and they'll seem more uh, compliant and relaxed in the chair. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and in terms of being aware of your, of your breath or aware of your breathing, I, I think one, you can obviously just be aware of the air coming in and out, but you could also uh, very gently focus on movement uh, within your torso, wherever you happen to notice it, that's clearly breathing related and just notice it and as you say don't not trying to control it or fix it or anything like that but just noticing it makes a huge difference in most cases yes yes so okay there's tip number one (laughs) (laughs) tip number two well you know this might seem strange advice for a dentist but you really will benefit from allowing your own jaw to be free while you're working. Mm-hmm. There are certain parts of the uh, body which are general uh, uh, like filters for tension and one of those uh, uh, places that people will identify with uh, somebody who's tense usually has really tense shoulders uh, and another commonly uh, identifiable body uh, 
posture or way a muscle set is if people are tense, their jaws will also be tightly held. And uh, you can even sometimes see uh, muscles uh, bulging uh, on the side of people's jaws while they're concentrating on a task. And that's a, there's a uh, direct, direct correlation uh, between a tight jaw and a tight neck. And I, I could it's easily demonstrated if if somebody uh, if if the listeners would want to try this they can put their hand gently on the back of their neck and then bring their jaw to a, uh, a what they might think of being as a tense uh held position you know they they might even just think a thought like oh my god i've got to hurry up and you can feel, most people can feel a, an immediate, like a, uh, there's a direct link between the tight jaw and the tight neck. I, in fact, I like to think of that as uh, opposite ends of the same rubber band. You can't have a uh, free jaw if you have a tight neck, and you can't have a free neck if you have a tight jaw. Mm-hmm. So while you're working, uh, let your jaw... Uh, be in you'll recognize uh, the the person who's not a dentist might not recognize this phrase but come to the physiologic rest position where your jaw is not being uh actively closed and not being actively opened this is a zone a rest zone where if you uh can allow yourself to be in this position we talked in the other podcast about how the first instruction we as Alexander teachers give is to allow your neck to be free and uh, you're going to find that working at the chair is so much easier while you're uh, if you can allow your neck to be free so that's that's just tip number two would be just to to realize the connection between a tight jaw and a tight neck and if I could just jump in here for a second um, you could also uh, think of allowing your jaw to be free. You could dr- address your attention in your jaw directly by by that simple thought. And I think it's also really important for everyone. Uh, I mean, I think dentists certainly know that the the joint between the jaw and the head is not a hinge joint, but I'm not sure that they necessarily put that knowledge into practice. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Yes. The nature yes. Of, that jo- of that joint. It's awfully easy to think it's a hinge joint, but if you think of it as a hinge joint, you're going to be putting a lot of extra pressure on it. I'd like to... Uh, this is not just a visualization, but this is a uh, documentable fact that when people are opening in a free and easy arc when they let their mandible, their lower jaw open, that the axis of rotation is not in the temporomandibular joint, not in that, uh, I'll call it for sake of convenience, ball and socket joint there, uh, although it's a lot more complicated than that. But the true axis of rotation is if you would, again, locate where your occipital joint is that if you come down uh, underneath your ears to a little depression with one finger on each side of your of your neck right under your ears and imagine a rod connecting 
if you can think of the chewing surfaces of the teeth as they open, that that is the radius of an arc coming out to the incisive edge of your lower front teeth, and your jaw opens and closes around where actually C1, the uh, atlas joint, rests atop C2. There's a what's called a projection called a dens. It's a tooth-like structure, which is appropriate for this discussion. But anyway, where the dens of C2 extends up through C1 is exactly where the true axis of rotation is. And if you would want to uh, like, uh, think about opening your jaw as the rotation coming from your TMJ and you'll feel tight and constricted there, now as just a way to compare, visualize a point going through your C1, C2 and imagine not only imagine, but realize that that is the true axis of rotation when you open and close your lower jaw. And you'll find that the, uh, the opening and closing movement is so much more uh, easy. Right. And, so, and again, following up on our talk in our last podcast, it's a case of uh, bringing your concept of, in this case, where a movement takes place into line with the actual reality of your physical structure. That's right. You need to have an accurate uh, body image in order to inform movement in a uh, beneficial way. Uh, the, your, the way you think of your body has to have some bearing with uh, reality. It's not necessary for the average Alexander technique student to know uh, the names of every body part, but just to know how one part relates to another in an accurate way uh, goes a long way towards being able to release unnecessary tension. Mm -hmm. I I would say, just offhand, that there are maybe uh, somewhere between 8 and 10, 12 maybe, key relationships in your body that are worth paying a little learning about, let's say. I actually, uh, that leads me to the name of my practice, why I named it that. It's called Poise Point. Uh And I I like to think of uh, these uh, 10 to 12 important areas that you just mentioned as places where you can have poise, both in the sense of uh, potential movement and poise in the sense of elegance and grace if you move in an open and easy way. And, mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. and, and for anyone who wants to follow up on, on this on their own, even without an Alexander teacher, uh, there is sort of, I guess we could call it a sub-branch of the Alexander technique called body mapping. And there's a whole book that will basically talk you right through uh, all of those key joints, um, head, neck certainly would be one of the keyest of the key, but the jaw, head, the shoulder, um, torso, uh, hip joints, ankle joints, how the arm functions, elbow, how the elbow, elbow joint functions, for example, is pretty crucial. So 
do you have yet another tip for us? <laughs> <laughs> Satchel Paige used to say, don't look back, somebody might be gaining on you. But right. I'd like to offer an opposite suggestion. It's uh, a, We in Alexander World call this back-back awareness. Mm -hmm. uh, anybody who's doing a task that's in front of them uh, runs the risk of uh, becoming... Uh, forward directed and not being even aware of uh, your back but to maintain a dynamic uh, posture I, I hate to use the word posture but the uh, the a, a dynamism while you sit a certain buoyancy you need to have awareness of your body as how it could be wide, not only in a side-to-side -side dimension, but also in a front-to-back dimension. So mm -hmm. as you're sitting there working at the dental chair, to have an awareness of your back, uh, you don't have to do so much about it, but just realize that your body is not only in the front, not only in the back, but you're a three-dimensional creature, and uh, to have that awareness leads to a lighter way of uh, being, a lighter way of using yourself. So if you wanted to just do a little uh, uh, down and dirty trick of imagining that you somebody is coming from behind and you might even have a uh, sensing organ in your back that you could, you could feel them coming towards you uh, and then balance that out with your forward task, I think that'll, that's another tip that uh, I think will work for you. Right. I mean, another way of, of saying all that, I think, is that you, the, t the temptation in doing a kind of precise work that a dentist does is to uh, focus all of their attention, particularly their visual attention, on one area. And what you're saying is that you do that at quite a cost to the rest of you. And so... Don't forget your back, even though it doesn't seem to be uh, directly involved with what you're doing. And what, can, yeah, can I offer ahead. one one sure. more uh, sure, <laughs> bonus thing? Sure, talking about uh, uh, keeping yourself at uh, as wide and as broad as you uh, can comfortably be. Um, when you're working as a dentist. Uh, the only thing about working in a reflective surface of a mouth mirror is that it gives you, you're holding the instrument in your right hand that you're working with and your mirror is held in the left hand. So it's easy then to uh, have some uh, idea, vision of, of being broad. But if you're working with direct vision, say on the lower arch, and you're only working with one hand, it really helps to place your other hand, uh, just the tip of your hand, a light touch on something that gives you an awareness of your left side as well as your right side as you're working. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, it, people say, well, I, you know, how can I have, be thinking about all these things at the same time I'm thinking about a complex task? But I, the, how I answer that is that... Uh, you're pretty much always aware of where your, the back of your right hand is without giving it a great deal of thought. You can, through practice and through uh, 
just a gentle uh, experimentation, a good-natured experimentation, pretty soon that can become your background field uh, mm. to, ha to become more and more aware of where you are in space. We call that a kinesthetic awareness, and that's another benefit of uh, Alexander Technique is it uh, helps you uh, gain this kind of self-knowledge. Mm -hmm. And it's a very light awareness we're talking about here. Yeah, not, yeah, just it's like not a concentration or anything of that. I kind. like to think of it just like a background hum that you can right. be here and there at the mm -hmm. same time. Well, I think I think that might be good for our second podcast or our third podcast, I guess. What do you? What How do you quickly think? you forget it's our fourth, Robert. <laughs> Is it our fourth? It's our <laughs> yeah. fourth podcast. That's right. <laughs> I, I just, but I I can't end without just elaborating a little bit on your comment about posture before because. Many, many people think that the Alexander Technique is about good posture, and, and in fact, it, it is. But it's also true that Alexander teachers are very wary of the word posture. And I think we need to just explain that, uh, I, well, the way I put it is the word posture used to be both a verb and a noun, and Today, when it's used as a verb, it has sort of a negative connotation. But the problem with the word for most people is that it's seen as a noun, as a position. Mm -hmm. And that is not what we're interested in. We're interested in uh, a dynamic posture, if you like, a posture in movement, a posture that incorporates breathing, which is movement. And I think that's the reason Alexander teachers are very wary of that word. Um, and all you have to do is say the word good posture or bad posture to someone and see how they react to it. And you'll see right away it's an idea about holding themselves in a certain way. And that is most definitely not what we Alexander teachers are about. So I just had to get that little rant off my my chest before we we concluded our our interview so do you want to add anything to that or is that, is that no i think your... it just added at the uh, exclamation point I yeah. <laughs> anyway well thank you so much my my guest today has has been again dr martin goldman who's had been a, has been a dentist for many years and is now also an alexander technique teacher in the san francisco uh, area, the East Bay area of San Francisco. He specializes, I believe, in TMJ issues these days. And we'll put a link to his uh, website uh, next to the interview. If you're in that area, definitely, and you have TMJ issues, uh, get in touch with him. Martin, thank you so much for being on the show again today. I, I really enjoy it. Thank you.